Welcome, guys, to episode two of The Hook and Ladder with Hardy and Oates, uh, also on Anchor, and you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Google Play Music, you can find us on a whole bevy of, well, listening sites, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, again, give us, uh, if you're watching on Facebook Live, uh, you know, share it, like it, whatever you need to do to help us get engagement and grow this brand, we appreciate your support. Uh, we've got a... Three main things we want to talk about today. Uh, first of all, the state of the NBA. Uh, NFL news, because NFL free agency is still continuing to evolve and change as things go along. And last but not least, Major League Baseball has some news of its own. So, without further ado, let's jump into the NBA. And some of you commented on it was a little hard to uh, watch an hour and a half segment. So, what we're going to do this time is try to break it down into 15-minute segments or shorter, how depending on how it goes, and go from there. Yeah, you guys can come and go as you please. This is uh, America where we're sort of free. Exactly, <laughs> sort of free. We, we won't get into that. But um, <laughs> the state of the NBA. So uh, the East, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, uh, they both tested positive with the coronavirus. Um, Rudy Gobert, obviously, it was kind of ironic considering he was making that joke of uh, touching all the mics in the studio. That was a bit of a bummer there. Cue the funny music. Um, four Brooklyn Nets players have tested positive with the coronavirus. Kevin Durant is one of them. Um, is this? It, yeah, this is kind of certainly a scary scenario for those guys. Even though it's not not life threatening, especially to young, healthy athletes, but still so certainly a concern. Right. Yeah. I think absolutely. Um, I think for the average person, if you if you see these athletes that you consider to be you know on a pedestal or anything like that so if they can get it then surely i can get it anyone can get it so that's probably what people are thinking but uh, at the end of the day um i think that all these players are going to be fine and they've got incredible teams medical staffs around them to be able to uh kind of minimize the damage of of the spread from these four players um i'm sure we'll continue to find out more about NBA players and things like that, but hopefully, hopefully this is the end of it. Hopefully, these are the last four. Absolutely, and uh, just some more recent news today out of uh, Oklahoma City: the Thunder tested their entire team staff, uh, about sixty people, what have you, um, and uh, all the tests came back negative. So that just goes to show that uh, you know they're washing their hands yes people are taking measures to remain safe during this time which is awesome to see and um it i I think the jazz actually played the thunder recently which is why the thunder got everyone tested just to be safe uh same with the uh, celtics uh the nets were one of them uh all of those teams have put themselves into self-quarantine um, and there was one other player that has tested positive. He's a D-League player, I think, from Detroit uh, who has tested positive. So uh, well, the commissioner has also come out and said that uh, they're going to reevaluate things, put the league on hold for 30 days, and then reevaluate. Smart move? I think so. Um, I think that you can't be too safe with stuff like this, especially in a sport where you're interacting with fans and, um, and just the – the amount of travel in the NBA is so much greater than that of like 
the NFL or the XFL, mm-hmm. even though the XFL has suspended their play, uh, they're traveling at a much lower pace and to much fewer cities than the, these NBA players are. So I think with the league of this size and the amount of games they play, I think it's a great thing. It's a smart thing and a good opportunity for uh, veteran players and stars to rest and then hopefully be creative in the way that they come about through the playoffs. Yeah, you mentioned the travel that all these teams go through, and uh, you're right, especially on uh, road trips for these teams where they can be in three different cities in four days. Um, and uh, the you know, there's I'm not sure which report to believe at this point. There's reports that say the coronavirus can spread through the air. There's reports that say you have to touch your you know you have to be in contact with a person and touch your face or what have you. I'm not sure which one is more accurate at this point, but. Um, I think suspending travel, and this goes for all leagues, uh, we talked about this in the first episode, smart move, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just going to help kind of contain things. And, um, you know, what, when we saw what happened in China and Italy, that kind of showed, you know, America, oh, man, we got to take this seriously. And uh, as a result, I think we're going to see maybe a lower rate mm-hmm. of infection as opposed to maybe overseas. But time will tell these next couple yeah. of weeks. Just do our best to minimize the bump. Everybody can get involved just by practicing a good hygiene, which hopefully you've been doing uh, for the majority of your life. Obviously, as a kid, your mom had to make you wash your hands. But after you reach adulthood, hopefully uh, you're handling that uh, with ease. So uh, what do you think as far as I know? There's been some talk, some speculation as far as uh, what should the NBA do as far as playoffs? What do you, what's, what's your, where's your head at? What do you think? Uh, personally, I, I'm, I like this 30 day pause just to wait and see because it changes every day. You know, uh, one, one day it's looking like, oh my gosh, this is, this is really getting bad. And then the next day, oh, it looks like we're getting a handle on cases. Maybe there aren't as many cases as we thought. For instance, in the state of Idaho, we only have nine cases. Um, and obviously it's, this is a fluid situation so that this could change by the hour. So I think we just need to hold off like the NBA has done mm-hmm. and uh, resume the season as normal. Um, oh, so you if, want to play the rest of the schedule out and play normal playoff scenarios? You want uh, to shorten I think it they could, yeah. The, we just got past the All-Star break, didn't we? Uh, so we have rough, roughly under 28 games left on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the NBA wanted to maybe cut some of those games. and uh, But in the... the so season, there's like, so yeah, just like there's, there's so many avenues you could yeah. go, right? You could... Let two more teams in the playoffs, right? On per- perhaps even on both sides of the bracket, mm-hmm. uh, you could go tournament style play for the first two rounds. That's what some people are talking about. Some people are saying, you know, seven game series in the first round, or five game series in the first round, right. or three game series in the first round. Where do we go? Second round, do we stick? Do we go seven? Do we go five? Do we shorten it to three? Do we in, do one game? You in know? that aspect, I think a play-in game might be something to consider. Game? Yeah, on both sides, you have two teams that are would be, I guess, a... Fringe teams. Yes, fringe teams who, uh, because they had to cut... Uh, some of those games that are left over, you know, they don't get a bigger chance to, you know, fight for a playoff spot. So maybe go with a play-in game, just like you would see in the NCAA tournament, which um, you have the first four in. Why not do that in the NBA? Could you imagine uh, the intensity of those games? That's something we haven't seen right. in the yeah. NBA. 
unless you get to a game seven. Right. At that point, it's much different. But to see the lack of a feeling out process, the lack of, uh, you know, being able to drop an away game. I'm excited to see what that would look like to have a wild card game. So I think that's a great idea. I I hope that uh, they approach uh, these playoffs with some creativity because uh, the last thing I want to see is them cancel the rest of the season like Mm -hmm. we've seen in so many other sports just because you've got so many players that we don't know how many good years that they have left. LeBron James, no idea how many good years he has left. Um, And, you know, it's just it would be sad to see some of these guys not get a chance to play in the playoffs and he, again. Uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony, he's old. He's talked about how he would be okay with saying goodbye to the game uh, and things like that since all of this stuff has come come out. So, you know, obviously Melo and LeBron, those are completely different players, but you get what I'm saying. There's guys who are reaching the end of their careers uh, that I'd like to see, you know, play in the playoffs one more time. Whether that looks a little bit different, uh, I think it would be exciting for the fans if it would look a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and you look at the, you know, um, one of the things we wanted to talk about was the East and West standings. Uh, and when you look at the potential matchups uh, that are headed our way, if they were to resume the season, you got the Clippers and the Lakers out in the West. In the East, you've got Giannis and his Bucks, which are, by the way, on record-setting pace. Uh, they're, they probably won't hit break the all-time record of 73 wins, but... Uh, they're, I think they're still under single-digit losses, losses right now. Um, nine losses, if I'm not mistaken. So th- there are so many interesting storylines out there in the East and West, respectively. And obviously, everybody expects the, the West is the more dominant conference. But the East still has some interesting teams that I think could uh, put up a fight if we come playoff time. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, once again, we're just going to have to wait and see. I did want to end our NBA talk with a positive note. Um, for or Giannis, Blake Griffin, Zion, and Rudy Gobert are all paying for the arena staff of their respective team's salaries, which is an awesome thing to see. And uh, the, I'm not sure how long that they're paying that, mm-hmm. um, but that's just a really cool thing to see out of those guys. Yeah, I think that's really awesome for them. Um, I feel it reflects badly upon ownership of those teams. Uh, It's almost like, I don't know if the only thing I can really equate it to is, is like, is like if the government were to shut down and instead of the government paying military members who can't work, instead your chief or your sergeant or whomever is over you or whomever is you know, I guess a more important role inside the organization is paying for you instead of the actual organization. I think there's plenty of money to go around. I don't think these NBA owners are going to wonder where their next meal comes from. When when are they going to be able to pay for their rent? I don't think NBA owners are experiencing that. And uh, I think some of their employees are. Now, now of course, these guys can afford it. Good on them. It's an amazing thing. Ownership, where is the stepping up? You know what I mean? Right. I, I want to see... I want to see New Orleans say, Zion, thank you so much for caring for them, but we've got them covered. No worries. Maybe donate that money elsewhere, right? Or then ownership goes and says, since Zion's doing this, let us do this, right? 
I just wish ownership would do stuff like that. I completely agree, especially considering um, they're billionaires. <laughs> right. Um, you'd think that they would have no problem stepping up and saying, you know what, you guys make this game experience happen. Obviously, the players are the biggest part of that, but uh, they facilitate the action in the arena and make it that much more of an enjoyable experience for those mm. fans. Uh, and a lot of them, that's all they have. You know, right. it, it means a lot to them. Those teams mean a lot to them. The players mean a lot to them. Um, so it, you're right. It's disappointing to see that ownership won't just immediately foot the bill it, over a circumstance nobody can control. Correct. So um, you're, you're right. That's kind of a disappointing thing to see. But as we said, good on those players yeah. to step up, especially Rudy Gobert, since it's all his fault. No. <laughs> um, guys, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, we're going to move on to the NFL because we have a lot to talk about there. Yep. So stay tuned for our next segment on the NFL. We'll be back live on Facebook as well as we'll be back with another uh, segment on Anchor after these messages from our sponsors. Thanks, guys. And guys, welcome back to The Hook and Ladder with Hardy and Oates. This is our second episode, and uh, thank you for coming along on this journey with us. So uh, we just talked about the state of the NBA. Let's go now to the NFL. Free agency is in full swing. Thank goodness, because without free agency, I don't know what we would be watching or talking about other than the coronavirus. Right, exactly. The NFL has provided uh, definitely content for people like us who talk about sports uh, for a living. And it also uh, provides a bit of a break from the doom and gloom that you may find uh, on, on your phone. And even if you don't necessarily find doom and gloom, you're certainly finding contradicting stories from different uh, friend groups and different people. So uh, it's a good break from what's happening on social media as well as what's happening in the news. So I'm, I'm happy for it. 100%. And we're going to start out with the biggest news of NFL free agency. That's Tom Brady leaving the New England Patriots for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of all teams. The deal is close to $30 million per year. Uh, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick had nothing but praise for Brady, and they said they certainly didn't want it to end this way, but they just couldn't get a deal done that they wanted numbers-wise. Um, and, uh, gosh, I'm kind of speechless. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, out of all teams, he's got some options in the receiving side of things, but what's your overall reaction to this move? Um, I think that due to the quarterback play last year, Tampa Bay uh, is not necessarily in people's minds as a good team. Um, but with that being said, I think they have a lot of weapons. Um, as you and I talked about earlier this, uh, this morning, there's a lot of options for them as far as free agency left in the market uh there's a lot of good athletes coming in the draft um there's just options for them they have things pieces they can move and i don't and i don't think they're a bad team to start with so is it a good place for tom brady to land yes um i just you you know if you were here with for episode one then you know that i personally don't I think Tom Brady has very much left in the tank i think that uh, time is undefeated and in the game of NFL. Obviously, uh, the commissioner has done everything in his power to uh, elongate the careers of quarterbacks. Um, you know, we're kind of in a golden era of quarterbacks with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning retiring uh, just a few years ago in the grand scheme of things a few years ago. Um, you know, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers. Mm. These are, uh, I know I'm not saying Philip Rivers is, is, 
an all-time greatest quarterback ever conversation, but I mean, I think we can all he agree he's going to be a, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah. Um, so there's good quarterbacks, and they're really trying to go out of their way to protect him. And uh, so obviously, the league is more built for him to play into his 40s now than it would have been 12 years ago. But I just don't. I mean. I feel like it's a reach for the Bucks if we're just being honest. Like to reach and go get a free agent and pay that much money for someone who's that old, um, I think, I think it's a lot of money and I think it's a big risk. It is a big risk. That being said, I can see the other side of the coin too. In that every time I come in and doubt Tom Brady and say, "Oh, this is it. Time's up. It time's undefeated. He's done." He always seems to surprise me somehow, and he didn't play. Um, all that well last year, I think, even though they did end up with 13 wins. Um, you kind of saw his age a little bit in the playoffs, I think, especially mm-hmm. when Tennessee came in and just did whatever they wanted. Essentially, they dominated him, and he could not make uh, the throws that were we've become accustomed to seeing. Mm-hmm. That being said, when you look at the landing spot, and um, defensively, Tampa Bay's awful. They've got to figure something out on that side of the ball. They do have Indomitian Sue up front. But in the secondary, they got torched all of last year. They gave up one of the highest points per game uh, numbers in the NFL. They were on the field a lot, too. This is true. And they happen to play in a division where they're going to be playing the Carolina Panthers. We'll have to see how they do with Teddy Bridgewater. We'll talk about that later. But uh, Drew Brees is coming back as well. And Atlanta, you know, they still have Matt Ryan, who can still put up big numbers. So... Tom Brady's going to have to go out there and distribute the ball to the likes of Mike Evans. There's rumors that Antonio Brown might try and follow uh, Tom Brady down to Tampa. That's a story in its own right. Uh, And apparently, uh, Todd Gurley is being pursued by Tampa Bay as well, which could potentially solve that running game problem. Right. Well, you know, yeah, as you just mapped out for us, yeah, there's a lot of options for them. Um, And if that's... I guess if if you want to talk about it in that way, that's options for this year. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, I just don't I don't see it I don't see it paying off for them. They're going all in right. to win now, right now, but yeah. we don't see them winning it right now. Yeah. I if you had to guess their overall record for this season out of sixteen games, what do you think? Eight and eight, nine and seven. Yeah, I think eight and eight is where I'm going to put them at. I just think there's too many tough games. I think there's too many people in the NFC who are who are uh, geared to play better than they did last year, um, and there's just not that many wins in there for a team like you had mentioned struggles on defense and um, and doesn't have a strong run game as of right now, and they are going to have to lean pass heavy on someone who. Uh, honestly, when you look at the way the Patriots do things, they work off mismatches, and a lot of his throws are checkdowns to running backs who are in one-on-one coverage with linebackers. And right now, I don't see a pass catcher as a, run, a running back in their backfield who's going to be able to create a mismatch that he's going to be able to check down to on a normal basis. Um, and I think that Bill Belichick has a great track record of when he's, quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, done with players – they struggle when they move on. Right. Uh, you know, Danny Amendola, an amazing, amazing receiver, pro bowler, went in with the Patriots, leaves the Patriots, nothing. 
Yeah. You know, and uh, so there's and there's time and time again, there's more examples of just that of teams reaching out, trying to get uh, a Patriots player to try and bring in to add wins to their roster. And it just doesn't translate because the wins aren't necessarily coming from individual players on the Patriots. Uh, they're coming from the team effort and the scheme for the Patriots. And I would have to put Tom Brady in that category. Yeah, no, it's. We're just going to have to see how the rest of the offseason pans out, if they're able to add a little bit more firepower to the team to maybe push for that win-now motive. But uh, still a lot of cards left to be dealt. So yeah. uh, that's what's happening in Tampa right now. Uh, as we mentioned, Drew Brees has re-signed with the Saints for two years. $50 million contract. Uh, good move by the Saints? I think so, um, if he can stay healthy. Um you know, if you really look at his stats in the last couple of years, uh, the way that he's closed out the year has not been the way that he started the year. And so I don't know if that has to do with longevity and his, the ability for his body to last for an entire season. I don't know. You can look at the stats for yourself. It's a fact. Now, this year, he finished a lot better than he finished in years prior. But we all know Teddy Bridgewater came in for him and gave him a bit of a hiatus and was able to help that team still continue to win. So I think the Saints are a great football team. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that they're continuing uh, to head down in the right direction. And signing Drew Brees for two more years uh, for that amount of money is a good is a good deal. I think it's a great signing for them. Yeah, and you look at it, he may not be having uh, the massive amount of yards that we're used to seeing out of Drew Brees. Excuse us there. But uh, he... Uh, he has been incredibly efficient, and that's because of uh, the weapons they've put around him. Uh, Michael Thomas, for instance, uh, arguably the best receiver in the league. One of them, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, that defense has gotten so much better in New Orleans. So he's able to, he doesn't have to go out and throw 50, the ball 50 times. He's able to, yeah, well, we had to take a three and out this time, but we trust our defense. Obviously, it blew it against Minnesota, but uh, you know what? The, Saints, I think, are looking good and could potentially win that division next year. Yeah, so. I would. Uh, I would say though, uh, as far as defense is blowing it, the NFL is geared for towards the offense. You just look at the rule changes in the last couple years. It's hard to say that teams are necessarily blowing it in my mind, just because uh, it's made for the offense to score. And so, if they're able to do that, I feel that's more so par for the course. So when you do find teams that can clamp down. Then you find a re you got a really special defense there. Um, and you know, for, for an example, the Super Bowl when the Chiefs began to score, I felt it was a matter of time until mm -hmm. they started to score. Not look at what the 49ers are going to do to them all game. I never thought it would last all game. Right. So you know, it's an offensive league right now, and uh, I think uh, it's more about making stops at key moments yeah. is what sets defenses apart spots. nowadays. Yeah. Obviously, if they have a dominating game on a certain day and hold a team to three points, then hey, that's a great day. But you're right. I think it's more about, okay, we really need to stop here. That's what we're being paid to do. Let's go out and do it. Yeah, absolutely. So in other news, Philip Rivers signs with the Colts. What do you think of that? I think that was a reach. A big time reach, especially for $25 million. It is a one year prove it kind of deal. So who knows? Maybe he goes out there and uh, has a gunslinger year like he has in the past. Last year he threw a lot of interceptions, but you look the year before when uh, uh, the, I guess, LA Chargers now were 
many were talking to them about a Super Bowl sleeper. Mm. His numbers were incredible, and that was just two years ago. So maybe getting out of that situation in L.A., going to a new team, the Colts have a decent offensive offensive line, um, and uh, they're revamping their defensive front with DeForest Buckner. Maybe they're able to get something going there. I'm not sure if he has the same firepower when it comes to targets on offense is my big concern. So I think it was a reach as how much they're they're paying him, but he does have a high ceiling. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's another uh I think it's a good signing as far as length of contract and right, right. The amount of money spent. They got that um, right. Yeah, that that's absolutely absolutely uh the the right amount as far as length and, and and price is not bad. Um I think that a lot of people are some some Colts fans that I've noticed on social media are mad just because if you really just look at Jacoby Prissett's stats from last year and Philip Rivers' stats from last year, uh, Jacoby actually performed better. But like you had mentioned, the ceiling's higher. Uh, I feel with Philip Rivers, at least for now, um, he's still showing that he can perform at a high level. So we'll see. Yeah, and last year Brissett started the season off fantastic, but it kind of seemed to kind of hit his ceiling, and that was it. He threw eighteen touchdowns, six picks overall, uh, with. Philip Rivers, you know, he threw a ton of interceptions last year, but he still had more of the attitude of I'm I'm Philip Rivers, I'm going to throw this ball and it's going to work. It didn't work. But with Brissett, it seemed like he lost confidence. So maybe that maybe the Colts are seeing having conversations we don't see and Right. Um I think it also goes back to a game manager. Um the Patriots produce game managers. Jimmy Garoppolo is an, is a real is a game manager, and he he managed to get the 49ers to the Super Bowl, but he wasn't going to be the one to win the game. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, 49ers fans are hoping that he can turn that around in the future, but he was what we thought he was. And uh, for the Colts to go out and get a gunslinger, that could be a game changer, as opposed to someone who's there to, uh, you know, just kind of manage your game you're really bringing in a game somebody who's here to change the outcome of the game and change the amount of points you can put up per season and so hopefully that works out for philip rivers i wish him all the best luck i love hearing him mic'd up so i can't wait to see him do that in uh in a different uniform and it'll be fun absolutely and breaking news he's just had another kid no i'm kidding (laughs) no i'm kidding um in other news, seriously, Jason Witten has signed a one-year, four-and-a-half-million-dollar deal with the soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. Smart move? Good move by the Raiders? Um, I think it's a really weird trend to sign old players. And yeah. They're really trying to elongate these people's careers, and perhaps the knowledge and the leadership they bring to the locker room are things that are, un- I guess intangibles that I'm not aware of because I haven't met the player or seen him in a locker room atmosphere. But I really think that that slot on your roster should be safe for a younger, more athletic person with a higher ceiling. Um, He's not going to make huge plays for you. Um, Now, if you find yourself not having someone who can catch the ball on third down, which the Raiders often found themselves with, okay, maybe Jason Witten's the guy, but you've even got questions at the quarterback position. So, for me, not a good signing. Not I, I. I don't. I don't bat an eye. I. I don't even put it past them to cut him in the preseason. I don't put it past them. I'm going to disagree with you and say it's a good signing. Okay. And the reason I say it's a good signing is because of his locker room presence. And then when you look at his stats over the last uh, year, last year, and then the year before where he took a hiatus, 
Uh, in those years, he's been extremely consistent, almost eerily consistent. Uh, the numbers right around 800 yards through those three seasons, uh, five touchdowns or less. So he's not producing at all like he did in the past, but he's a nice security blanket. And when you mentioned the quarterback uncertainty for uh, Las Vegas, I guess mm-hmm. now, um, that is a very comforting thought of Jason Witten's out there somewhere, sitting in a zone somewhere. I just need to turn and find him in that pocket, and he'll get me five or so yards. He'll most likely catch the ball. He's a good blocker, uh, whether it be run blocking or pass blocking. So for me, he's a calming presence uh, and just the an overall great professional player. Yeah, we'll have to see how that works out. We shall. We shall. Um, what is going on with Philadelphia? They let go of Jordan Howard, who is a solid running back who we had great years in Chicago. They mm-hmm. just let him go. Uh, and they will not exercise the option on three-time pro bowler Malcolm Jenkins, who was uh, just one of the stars in mm-hmm. that Super Bowl winning team. Are, are they starting to head towards tanking, would you say? I or? wouldn't call it tanking, but I would say they are freeing up assets to apply to different players now i think that in an nfl league like this i think it's easy for coaches to look at teams and say okay we're not there so there's nothing wrong with taking a few step back in order to take a few steps forward in in the coming seasons when you look at the way the roster is constructed for the 49ers and you look at the way the roster is constructed for teams like the Saints, who have a great defense. And you look at the roster for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Ravens and these teams that are seem to be stacked on all sides of the ball that are having athletes make huge plays. You begin to look at your roster and say, okay, I need to, I need to make more room for, for a few more athletes to, to really bolster different parts of my team, and I can't afford to continue to pay stars right now. Right. No, that that makes sense. And uh, for the Eagles, that they, they've just been underperforming, and a lot of the a lot of it can point to injuries for sure. But uh, inconsistency in the receiving core, uh, defensively getting banged up. Um, Carson Carson Wentz, I love him, but can you rely on him? We haven't seen that in the past few years. I feel he um, carried them last year, though. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's I'm more speaking to his injury right. side of things, and then he can't rely on his receivers. So just kind of a weird situation in Philadelphia. They got great players. Uh, they've obviously let go of a few of them for uh, cap space and just freeing some. I guess freeing that cap space up. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see how things progress in the city of brotherly love. Yeah. Hopefully the hopefully the scouting process in the NFL changes a little bit. I feel like right now in the NFL we're enamored with speed, um, and and teams are signing players for you know uh, a tenth of a second here or a fraction of a second here, and they're sacrificing hands. <laughs> like, do these athletes have good hands? And they right. don't. You know what I mean? They're just incredibly fast, but then they get the they throw the ball and they're catching it with their body and they're. You know, they're not displaying the fact that they have good hands. They need it. There's a lot of receivers out there who Cooper Cup, a little bit slower, catches with his hands, runs good routes, but he's still able to be extremely effective. Adam Thielen, slower route runner, slower in general, but better hands. Right. And it's not that he's that much slower. It's a, it's a fraction, but he still went undrafted, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're enamored with speed. Hopefully they change to be enamored with good hands again. 
Yeah, and uh, I think that's something Eagles fans are hoping for in the coming days. As well, yeah. Let's talk about the Bears before we move on. Uh, Chicago has signed Nick Foles, but they also signed a pass rusher in Robert Quinn to a five-year, $70 million deal. They released uh, Leonard Floyd, who was a top-10 pick. And uh, something out of the Chicago Tribune kind of left him a scathing review. It says, quote, The Bears got a better pass rusher than Floyd when they agreed to terms today with Quinn, or Tuesday with Quinn, who turns 30 in May on a five-year, $70 million contract that reportedly includes $30 million in guarantees. Floyd was a lost pass rusher, and though general manager Ryan Pace sought every possible way to support him, the bottom line is another busted top 10 draft pick is gone, along with his $13.2 million contract for 2020 harsh words but when you look at his production it's kind of true the truth hurts sometimes uh i think that the bears have really struggled in the front office um passing on uh deshaun watson and uh patrick mahomes for mitch trubisky and trading up to that pick when no one and you look at the scouting department too Yeah. yeah i think you know they've had the opportunity to really turn their franchise around with some of the players who have been available in the draft for them when they've had a chance to pick and they've just missed. Yeah. So, And don't get me wrong, Mitch Trubisky in his, maybe his second year, his second year, he looked fantastic. His first year, he looked fantastic. In his rookie year? Rookie year. Pretty sure. Went to the playoffs. Okay, his rookie year. He looked fantastic. Yeah. He was throwing the ball over the field and uh, a lot of his throws were check downs and they were simple pass plays, but... Um, he was all. It also seemed like he was able to read the more difficult defensive mm-hmm. coverages that were being thrown at him, and they go to the playoffs, and the kicker ruins it for him. Um, they won their division yeah. that year. They looked. It's like okay, they found their guy. What happened from that year to this year? You know, I feel like when some NFL defensive coordinators go up against rookie quarterbacks, what they try to do is they try to complicate the coverage and they kind of try to complicate things on the back end and hopefully it results in interceptions, right? Um, and then coming into that next year after he had shown he can escape the pocket when you rush four passers and if you don't spy him, he's going to make you pay with his legs. He can throw on the run. He's able to do these things. Teams decided, okay, complicating the back end. Like you had mentioned, he's been able to read these coverages. He's finding open receivers. Well, what if we do the other thing? What if we bring pressure? And that's where he started to make mistakes. Uh, he, you know, he's unsure in his decision making as pressure's coming. Everything is more rushed, and mistakes become at a higher, higher consistency. And he didn't have the offensive line, nor did he have the tools on the outside to win those one-on-one battles that he was getting. Because once you go one-on-one on the outside, you would hope that your wide receivers would be able to win those battles, and you'd be able to get the ball to them quickly. They weren't able to win those battles. Pressure was getting to him, and uh, he had a tough year. I'm not sold on the fact that he's he's not going to be good again, though. That's that's my point. And why are they bringing in Nick Foles over a guy like Andy Dalton, who we talked about? Right. Like, what are the, and you look at social media, Chicago fans are not pleased with this decision to go with Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles is proved that he is a good backup quarterback. And he's good for the culture of your football team. And he's good for the confidence of your starting quarterback. And he's also good in stepping in and leading the team when it's his turn and when he needs to. So you're looking at another Philly situation I do. I think that the Bears say Nick Foles will be good for us in that Philly role as opposed to that Jacksonville role. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that um, we're going to have to wait and see. Some unhappy fans in Chicago right now. Uh, A lot up in the air. One thing we do know, that defense is there to stay. 
So if they can find a gunslinger or a general or a, just a game manager who can make those tough throws that we were talking about when he needs to, mm. we could be looking at a Super Bowl contender. So mm-hmm. we'll see. That is going to wrap it up for the NFL, guys. We've got some baseball to talk about shortly hereafter. We'll uh, take a quick break here and uh, allow our sponsors to say a few words. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep, ready. And welcome back, guys. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to go into the world of baseball, even though it's not moving at all at this point. Um, much like almost every sport in the world right now, um, it, the, baseball has stopped all activities at this point. Um, they have uh, spring training was in the we were in the middle of spring training, seeing how rookies were panning out, seeing uh, the veterans start getting their swagger back and getting loosened up for the regular season. That all comes to a grinding halt with the coronavirus, and uh, we've also heard, seen reports that the Yankees have a couple of uh, prospects that have uh, been tested positive for the coronavirus. So um, it, this is getting the league pushed back as time goes on. Uh, we have I read an article by Sports Illustrated that talks about the effects of a shortened season. Uh, what do you? The there is a uh, he went on to say. Quote, the shortest season on record is the strike-shortened season of 1981 when teams played an average of 106 games. So let's say, let's go to the extreme. Let's say only 100 or so games are able to be played uh, due to this virus. Uh, what, do you, what are the kind of things that you could see happening in Major League Baseball because of that? Well, how does um, the season look to you? Yeah, I mean, baseball is such a numbers game, an average game, and it really always seems to balance out and you can almost always trust the numbers um and the more you lessen the season the more unpredictable it gets uh which for me means teams that you thought would make the playoffs won't teams you thought would not make the playoffs will and it really it really will matter who starts hot not necessarily uh who stays hot because there's just a, a fewer amount of games. If you could put a, a couple good months together, you know you could find yourself in the top of the standings and then you could kind of coast your way to, to a, a nice playoff seed. But all in all, I feel a shorter season for baseball will be more exciting. I know there's plenty of fans out there that really don't tune in until November. You know, They're right. really not paying attention until it's getting close to finding out who are going to be in the wild card games and, and you know, because there's so much baseball that it almost doesn't matter. And you can just get a text on your phone on whether or not your club won or lost. And, right. and uh, so I think it'll be good for baseball. And hopefully, um, you know, obviously baseball players love to play baseball for, you know, countless evenings and chew seeds and, and dance in the dugout and make up handshakes. So maybe they won't like it. But I think that the fans will appreciate a shortened season. And maybe it'll make the games more intent, intense and more meaningful. Absolutely. I'd say baseball has probably the largest population of casual fans in that I myself would call myself a casual fan. I'd pull for the Mariners, but can I say that I know everybody on the roster? Heck no. I know a few big names. Well, do we even have big names at this point? Anyways, (laughs) um, you know a few names here and there, and then you get the notification on your phone that, hey, the Mariners lost again. Great. You move on. Um, 
But with this, you see uh, some of the points he brought up, you know, less separation as the playoffs approach. Uh, sleeper teams have a bigger chance. Faster starts become more important, as you mentioned. And the schedule has a bigger impact. So if you get bombarded with these tough series against some really good clubs, and next thing you know you're looking at an eight-game losing streak, in a 162-game schedule, you might... That you never want to lose eight straight games, obviously, or something like that. Some horrible slide. Mm. But you have time to climb your way out of it. When, with a 100-game season or whoever, who knows how this is going to change. Um, yeah, it just the window just starts to get tighter and tighter and tighter. So you're going to see teams maybe start panicking when mm. they say, oh, my gosh, we need to start winning now. Uh, as opposed to, eh, you know what, we'll get out of this. It's just the way baseball goes. And I'm interested to see if it changes the pitching rotations. If you think about it, there's going to be less games on, on the arms of these guys as we get closer to the playoffs. And what, down the stretch, is there? do they go to their key starters more often? You know, Do they give them less days of rest? Because everybody knows if you love, if you love baseball and you watch baseball, you've got a schedule for your pitchers, and it is rigid. Yeah. And it is this... This amount of time, sorry fans, it is this <laughs> amount of time uh, off and this amount of rest days and you pitch every other, you know, certain amount of days and do they change that? Do coaches try to, you know, at the risk of possibly injuring their pitchers, do they try to make their, their games a little more frequent in order to lock up more games quicker or perhaps lock up more games at the end? It's very interesting. It's it, honestly the, the ripple effect could be endless. It's, it's even hard to really grasp right now. Right, and especially because this is such a fluid situation. You know, we've seen this at our own job. Uh, we've seen this in uh, sports all over the uh, all over the globe. We just don't know right now. And uh, as the that baseball has come out and said that they could see this moving back the season uh, back two to three months, so that they're fully prepared for uh, cutting off a good chunk of games, or uh, maybe they have to uh, go more double headers, mm-hmm. which uh, I'm not sure how. Uh, the older players probably not a fan of that, but uh, they got to do what they got to do to fit these games in. So and so, what do you think that's going to do as far as coverage for television deals? Because you've got football starting, and so they're really going to get heavy if they go two months back. You're looking, uh, you know, January for the World Series, and you're looking February for the yeah. Super Bowl. So how yeah. does it? How does it pan out? Really, what a cluster! As you it basically, that I I don't know how executives would go in and say, okay, uh, we've got this great baseball game, but then we've got this great baseball game playing at the same time at this baseball game, but then we have college football starting up. Maybe uh, who knows? Uh, the the NBA is going to start getting yeah. ready for the season to come. And don't go. miss Thursday night football. Yeah, it's Thursday, like my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Coronavirus, uh, what are you doing? Yeah, for the sports fan, that's going to be great. You know, it's like, hey, whatever channel I'm on, I'm going to get something. Um, but you're right, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the TV executives come up with. You mentioned pitchers. Verlander has just had surgery on his groin. And on top of that, uh, the Astros' woes uh, just kind of continue with the punishment that's been handed down to them as far as the cheating scandal. Uh, they've fired both the manager and the the general manager and um, who else? They fired, a, fired... I believe they were suspended. Yeah, but then they went out right and fired. The owner came out and said, quote, when I found out, I was very upset. We want to be known as playing by the rules. 
uh, that was Jim Crane. Neither one of those guys implemented this or pushed it through the system, but uh, neither one of them did anything about it. That's mm. unfortunate, and the consequences are severe. And that was from The Guardian. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the part of the punishment is they've lost their first and second round draft picks for 2020 and 2021, and $5 million uh, fine as well. So things not doing so hot down in Houston, but... You get what you deserve here. You reap what you sow, I guess. Right. Yeah. I. You know, it's one of those things that it's it's a sad for the for the game of baseball for a game that has its own unwritten rules that they're constantly breaking the ones that are written down. It's like, come on, baseball, get it together. From the steroids in the '90s and the early 2000s to the continuation of the steroids past 2010 and with Alex Rodriguez and. Um, that Ryan, what was his name from the Brewers? Oh, Bauer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just, for me, this game, I, and I've had this opinion about baseball for a long time. I played baseball. Uh, I played traveling baseball and played high school baseball. But I felt for a long time baseball players are kind of nose-stuck-in-the-air type athletes. Mm-hmm. They think their sport is better than everyone else's and that they've got all these codes and that they live up to a certain standard. But at the end of the day, they're caught cheating. A lot. Um, So I would have to give, uh, as far as cheating scandals go, I'd have to give, you know, the PGA the the lead on this one. I think that those guys are pretty much doing it pretty solid. Over baseball. Yeah, oh, for sure. And over the NFL with Tom Brady and his flat balls. (laughs) You know, and... uh, Oh, that means two things. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, uh, you know, NBA seems to keep it it pretty good, too, as well, you know. and um, But other than that, I mean, these... I'm I'm just tired of people cheating. You know, if you're going to be the greatest yeah. athlete on the earth and you're going to take all this endorsement money, at least at least make it right. Absolutely. I just watched the. This is totally off topic, and I won't say long on this. But I uh, I just watched a special on uh, Lance Armstrong mm. at, on Netflix. You can find it. It's on there. It's insane how up how upfront he was about. Yeah, I I was using this this and this and this. And uh, a doctor at one point came in and asked him in front of all his friends and team. Uh, have you ever used these, 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 these? And he was just like, yep, I used them all. But he would lie to the media and his foundation and those who were supporting his fight against cancer. Anyways, you're right. It, I think that's just human nature, and you and I could get into something deeper on that. But right. let's end this on some good news, and that is all 30 teams in the major leagues have donated $1 million to cover the wages of ballpark employees affected by the coronavirus pandemic. I wish NBA teams could have done the same. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier in the show, you wish that the NBA teams will take a page out of MLB's book and take care of your employees and not leave it to other employees to pay for other employees, which is exactly what's happening in the NBA. So, Good on them. Good on all the teams for taking care of those guys. And if anyone's ever been to an MLB game, we know we love the employees at the ballpark. Mm-hmm. They make it happen. An MLB yeah. game is an experience of a lifetime. If you've never been to one, you need to go. You need to hop in the car when the season finally starts up, roll down your window, listen to some good music, head to the ballpark, grab a hot dog, grab a beer. Cracker Jacks. Yeah, and just... Just enjoy the game, and it's uh, yeah. And you look at the field itself. The grounds crew mm. puts really a work of art out on the field, just especially with the designs they can make. So all these employees take it very. They take this work very seriously, mm. and so to see this from the MLB, really positive. 
And that is what we want to end this episode on, something positive. Yep. So that is the end of episode two, guys. We talked a little NBA. We talked some NFL. And we talked some baseball. We talked some coronavirus, of course. Um, so that's all we've got here uh, for the hook and ladder with Hardy and Oates. I'm Hardy. And I'm Oates. Thanks for listening.